Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. And welcome back for our final episode in this six-part series, helping you to make 2022 your best year on the bike ever. We're rounding up by giving the bike some TLC this time, honing in on what you can do to get your seed ready for spring, whether that's your four-season dependable, a snazzy summer bike that's been in hibernation, or something that's been tucked away in the shed under a blanket waiting for a little bit more sunshine. Who better then to be joining us than mechanic extraordinaire Vicky Balfour? <laughs> Some of you will be familiar with Vicky from MBUK's Grime Time and Bluffers Guides, and she's got many more strings to her bow too. Vicky teaches mindful mechanics on courses near her home in Kent, and as a British cycling mountain bike leader, also teaches beginner cyclists and helps disabled families get out on bikes. Vicky is also an event mechanic and presenter for Chain Reaction Cycles, which takes her to some awesome places like the Mega Avalanche, Sea Otter, and Tweed Love. And also, not to forget, she's founder of the Canterbury Off-Road Club. Phew! <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Vicky, and taking time out of your very hectic schedule to chat bikes. My pleasure. And I'm also joined here in the podcast studio at Bike Radar Towers by serial bike tinkerer and BikeRadar.com's own deputy editor, Jack Luke. Hello, Catherine. Yes, I'm guilty as charged on both counts. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I don't know about you... But this morning in Bristol, the sun was shining, the birds are singing, the trees are starting to get their first leaves, and it really feels like after a 12-month winter, we're coming into <laughs> spring. And it feels like there's like miles upon miles of this dry tarmac and hero dirt awaiting us. So, Vicky, why is it so important to give your bike some TLC at this time of year? Oh, it's, I mean, well, if you ask me, any time of year is a good time of year to give your bike TLC, but um, but this time of year, it's it's a case of really just having everything ready so that when those beautiful days start coming, you can just get out and enjoy every single minute. Um, we've all yeah, we've all had a tough long winter, um, and it's yeah, it's time to go and make the most of the sunshine. Yeah, absolutely, can't wait. So. 
Would you need to give any bike that you've got the same kind of treatment? Does it matter if it's something that you've been riding all the way through the winter or something that you've had tucked up in storage? Does it depend on that? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Um, There are two different ways of looking at it. There's a certain baseline of sort of just looking after, understanding your bike. Um, I, I always, when I'm teaching it, I explain it's a bit like the difference. You get to know your bike in the way that you know your body so that you know when you just need a bath and an early night or when you need the physio and the doctor. And if you know your bike to that level, then you're fine. So you can just sort of, you just keep an eye on it. But bikes that have been in storage, if you've got a lovely summer bike and that's been in storage, there are extra special bits that you need to look at, things that you wouldn't necessarily realise are a problem. For example, the tyres, if the if they've become slightly deflated, you can get a cracking along the sides, which actually then begins where they begin to perish. Um, so there are a few extra top-ups that you need to look at. But beyond that, just understanding your bike and how it works and what to look out for is going to save you money in the long run and keep keep your bike running well. So you might think that by storing a bike away in a shed or if you've got a spare room that you can keep it in in absolute luxury in the warm (laughs) is actually (laughs) being good to your bike and saving it from the spray on the roads and the salt and everything. But there's things that because a bike isn't getting used might be wearing away or... Yeah, totally. It's. I mean, I think the the tyres are probably the most classic one that that if you haven't, if you keep your tyres fully inflated, that's absolutely perfect. That's great. Um, But if they do begin to sort of sink and if the bike is sitting on the tyres, if it's sort of up, if it's horizontal sitting on the tyres, then that pressure alone can begin to cause problems with with the tyre wall. Um, which in turn then when you go riding can can cause its own issues. Um, beyond that, I mean, I think it depends whether, you, whether you've done anything particular before you put the bike away. I think if I was planning to put a bike away for a season, um, I would actually give it a really good clean and service, re-grease all the parts so that you know that when you come to pick it up and go, um, everything's greased and lubed and, and ready to run. Beyond that, it's, it's yeah, I mean, beyond that, it's there's nothing that's really going to sort of perish through not using other than the tyres. Okay, so that's a good one to look out for if you've had a bike in storage. Mm, totally, totally. One quite interesting one that I've uh, come across is if you are a, a fastidious bike chain cleaner, as I am now very much... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm a, I'm definitely of the Simon Bromleys of this world. I'm a, a committed chain waxer. But if you do tend to use things like wet lubes or even dry lubes, mm. I found that over you know extended periods, particularly in the warm, the carrier fluid that the actual lubricant tends to be in, if it's a sort of dusty environment in particular, will pick up a great deal of that horrible just griminess that's in the air in general. And, you know, putting away a dirty chain, I mean... It's terrible practice and nobody ever would do that in the first place. <laughs> but if it has had time to accumulate dust and dirt, you create this very, very unpleasant sort of grinding paste when you first get out. And the worst thing you can do is just put more lubricant on top of that because you oh will you will end up with a, a grimy, gross chain in the first place. So the answer, of course, 
is to clean your bike before you go away, as Vicky says. <laughs> not that not that any of us would but, ever no, put away but, a dirty bike and forget about it yeah, for months on end. I'm literally sliding down in my chair, <laughs> <laughs> cringing, thinking, oh no, what have I, mean, I that's done? Actually, that's, that's a really good point, Jack. I reckon actually perhaps what we should be advising then is clean your bike, really dry your mm-hmm. chain well, but don't necessarily lube it at all until yeah. you're ready to go. Because, yeah, because I hadn't thought of that because I clearly don't keep my bikes in the house, unfortunately. They don't stay anywhere warm. Um, but, yeah, that that is a good point. So you could, yeah, you could say clean it, dry it, make sure it's not going to rust, but then choose your lube according to what you're going to be riding mm. when you go out next. I think from a purely emotional point of view, I find it very hard to motivate myself to clean a bike that has been sort of festering for months on end. And I think, yes. y- you know, give yourself something to look forward to. You know, you've got your lovely shiny bike to ride when the sunshine comes around um it's uh it'll only motivate you to go out and play Mm. i think and there's a psychological part of it isn't there it could be a bike that you use year round that you're giving an extra special spring clean a bit like when i tidy up my flat once a year in the spring (laughs) 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 or you know and it just feels really smooth and fabulous or it could be bringing a bike out of storage that you've had um, kept away for the winter that is super speedy, rim brake or deep carbon wheels or something like that that you know is just really going to make the ride feel fantastic. Mm -hmm. So how can we make sure, if it's a bike that you have been riding through the winter, for example, like I know Jack doesn't ever stop (laughs) riding even in the filthiest (laughs) of conditions, um, how can you make sure that that bike is good to go for these longer rides in the summer? Um, so yes, I mean, I think from, from me, it would, I mean, it might be if you've ridden it all year round, it might well be that you're looking at changing tires as well. So that's a natural, a natural pause. But the, the main points are, if you think about the, the areas that have bearings in a bike, so that's where things are turning, where you've got motion. So that's your, your headset, your bottom bracket, your hubs, your, um, the cranks where the crank arms go through the frame all those areas can really benefit from having sort of taking apart check the bearings themselves make sure that they are they're running smoothly but take it apart give it a good clean and then re-grease it and then you know that you've basically got a benchmark for for the year ahead essentially you're like right well on this day in the spring I was at this state and everything was right so now I can get into a really nice regular routine of sort of every three months doing a a deep clean and a re-grease say or whatever um especially with tubeless tires if you're running tubeless it's really worth keeping an eye on the sealant and making sure that's topped up regularly um and places that are easily forgotten about like the seat post that is a really classic one that needs to be re-greased um regularly because they can they have a mind of their own i swear there are some bikes where they um they never ever stick and then you get other bikes where where they just have literally a five-month-old bike and the the seat seat post has has fused into the frame so it's it's really important to use yeah to re-grease things um and when we're talking about grease if you've got any carbon parts so if you've got a carbon seat post or you've got a carbon handlebar or even a carbon frame if you've got carbon interfacing with any other any other material use a carbon paste rather than grease because that gives you extra sort of grip for the pressure you're putting into it so uh, that really helps 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. I think it's one of the most tiresome things to say in bike media, but if you're listening and you're thinking about your seat post, now is the perfect time to go and do <laughs> I think so the closest true. I've ever come in my entire life to giving myself a hernia was trying to take a, a very, very obstinate seat post out of a frame um it's yes. truly truly you know, awful yeah one of one of my first grime time pieces was um doing oh it was last year it was doing um oh what's it called dropper posts mm-hmm. so i've i had i didn't have a cable dropper post so i borrowed my friend's bike it was beautiful evil it wasn't very old it was probably about five months old and I went to get the seat post out and it wouldn't move at all. And it was just, oh, my God. And when I did get it out, it looked like the entire bike had been submerged under the sea. It was hideous. And it was just literally some combination of that frame and that seat post oxidizing. And, yeah, I'm with you in the hernia hernia operations. <laughs> If, you, if you'd like to avoid that, there's an absolutely fabulous Instagram account. He's um, a very, very good mechanic in Stirling in Scotland, a guy called Stirling Bike Doctor. And he has this, like, it's like a torture chamber-like device where he's got these machined clamps that will go around seat posts of any diameter. And it clamps in the bottom bracket and it pulls seat posts out in the most <gasps> unbelievably satisfying way. I actually wrote something on bikeradar.com. You can read about it. Um, but it is unbelievably satisfying to watch these vicious creaks as a, a overly expanded album <gasps> yeah. comes out of coffee. Yeah, it was uh, when I used to work in the, in my local bike shop in the workshop there my heart would sink when you got people <laughs> coming in saying I've just bought this old bike can you do anything with it? And yes. You'd look at the seat post as the first bit and yeah. you're like oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, um, um, but yeah I'm definitely going to go and give him a follow. <laughs> The one thing I was going to say on sealant is, yes, that's something I definitely, uh, I actually neglect quite often. And I've been bitten in the past where, you know, perhaps I have run some slightly faster tires in the winter and then I've decided to continue with them for summer. I think it's fine. I'm still holding air. And then you kind of take them off when you get a puncture and you've got these little sealant curds floating around <laughs> in there and a kind of leathery skin on the inside. So, uh, yeah, sealant is one to, to bear definitely. in mind. When you're wondering why on earth it's not sealing and mm. yeah, it's just bone yeah. dry in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's bizarre. And if you if you if it's your first time with tubeless, you can't believe that the sealant's actually going to dehydrate like that. Mm. And you're like, yeah, of course it's fine. It's um, but it's yeah, it's definitely there was yeah, I was racing one round of the Southern Enduro years ago and I think I'd forgotten to top up my sealant and I kept every time I was going round, I kept reinflating my tyre and then I suddenly had a brainwave. I was like, oh, sealant. Mm-hmm. And I had some with me. I popped it in and that was it. I was away. Yes. It was brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, it's we all do it. It's, it is, it's not always easy to remember to check these things, but it is worth it, definitely. Mm. Certainly the things that sprung to mind when I thought about spring maintenance, and you can tell that I don't really do my own, (laughs) was things like the drivetrain, um, which, of course, we haven't even mentioned yet. Um, So, yeah, I will be going home 
this evening and checking my seat posts on various steel bikes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good. That's and it's really yeah, interesting what you say as well, because these aren't things that are going to break the bank either. You're not, you know, we're not talking about whole new chain sets or anything. Just no, a bit of grease, perhaps some carbon paste. Um, it's not something that's really going to have to cost you, but a bit of time Mm. I think, and that's why I'm mean, why I'm really passionate about people learning mechanics is because it's 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 well, firstly, it's about choice. It means that you understand when you're going in to talk to people, um, you understand what they're talking about, and you can actively make a choice. You can decide what you want to spend your money on and what you want done, and so on. Um, but secondly, it's it's just it's hugely empowering and. A few little things like that, um, like greasing your seat post, like using a chain checker on your chain and regularly changing your chain. Those tiny little jobs actually will save you a lot of money in the long run and keep your bike going for longer. Um, it's again, I mean, absolute classic when I when I was working in a bike shop and we got somebody came in and he's like, I spent £10,000 on my bike. I mean, he had literally pimped this Santa Cruz to within an inch of its life <laughs> and then I mean it was it was spectacular I don't think I'd have been brave enough to ride it but um but he was like well what do you mean I need a new cassette and it's like well I'm afraid things wear out and you haven't and it sort of you bought it from us a year ago and now these parts need replacing and I think people feel that if they spend more money it's going to last x amount of time longer or last forever and it it just doesn't work like that it's but mm -hmm. if you understand the basics then you're able to put in some preventative measures and save yourself money definitely. absolutely and dare i mention it we all know that we're going through this very bizarre time at the moment in the bike industry with huge part shortages and you're mm. talking about prolonging the life of certain parts. Is there anything besides just putting our bikes on a mantelpiece and staring <laughs> at it longingly from the sofa that we can actually do to really prolong the life of those parts? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think I think my favourite my favourite thing and my my biggest message is a chain checker, the ten pound mm. tool that will save you hundreds. So the idea is that basically you're you're the chain on the bike, they have different widths for different speeds of chain. And you you know the speed of your, your cassette is the number of cogs on the cassette. So you have like a 10-speed chain or 11-speed chain or so on. But the length of the, the links is always the same. And as, they, as the parts wear, those links move fractionally further apart. And so they then start to begin to wear away at the cassette and the teeth on the cassette. And you reach a point where actually the chain is so stretched and the, the cassette is so worn that a new one, which is obviously shorter links, the links are closer together, won't actually sit properly on the cassette itself. And therefore you have to change not only your chain, but your cassette and so on. Whereas if you use this little 10 pound tool and you change your chain at 50% worn, you get multiple chains for the one cassette. Um, so that that is, mm -hmm. I mean, that's always my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that's my top tip for anyone it's um because that really does yeah that really really does save you money in the long run and it's it's so simple to do you just literally slot it into the chain and when the entire checker falls in at 50 percent, put a new chain on i think preventing your chain wearing in the first place is definitely best tackled by cleanliness as simon would like to say and using a, <laughs> a lube which will avoid picking up too much dirt as well you know particularly in the winter even though it's quite labour intensive, 
Personally, I avoid thick, wet lubes because they do just attract her. And even though I'm a mudguard number one fan, even that doesn't keep my, uh, keep my chain spotlessly clean. So personally, I actually still continue to use wax lube throughout the winter. And, you know, if I don't have any to hand or can't be bothered with the faff, then I tend to use a dry lube because wet lubes are good for, say, like a commuter. But if it's a committed or a bike that you oh. ride regularly or in long distances, you're just kind of adding trauma to the drive thing oh, you are you really are aren't you it's just they're, they're disgusting I mean it's, so I, I moved to sort of a, a semi-wax a few years ago and every so often if I haven't got it with me or I haven't thought about it I've just bunged on my mm. old wet lube and I just I cry every time I sort of <laughs> then go back and look at it and it's just it's disgusting I'm, yeah I'm with you completely I'm so glad we're on the same is, page I, I've yeah. really converted since I mean Simon bullied me into it practically but he was right I hate to admit <laughs> just briefly because you mentioned parts there I think something that's worth saying at this particular time is say you are in an unfortunate position you do need to buy some replacement parts I think thinking about the spring ahead right now is mm. probably a good idea because in all likelihood things like consumables are a bit better now but a lot of bigger parts or quite high demand parts are very very hard to come by and there'll be nothing sadder than coming to the first beautiful sunshiny day of spring and then going well I can't get that part <laughs> so I think thinking <laughs> about it now and being preventative would be a wise advice yeah, that's yeah. a really good shout. And actually, what you're saying about the chain checkers, I'm going to make a personal plea to any bike brand at any show that gives away hats or mugs <laughs> or anything. <laughs> yes. Can we please just have a branded chain checker? Because, like, I that's don't have one good. of my own. That's good. And you could brand it. Yeah. If you really wanted to impress me, purple anodized yeah. would yes. be the one. Yeah. But it would I'm actually be really useful. I would use it all the time. It'd be brilliant. Oh and it, but it'd have to have 50% worn on it. That's my only thing. Because okay. some of them only have 75% worn and you're just slightly running the gambit with 75% worn. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the cassette and how many times you've gone to 75% worn, I think. Um, but 50% worn, you're always guaranteed. Um but yeah, I completely I agree with you to buy buy parts in advance. So things like brake pads, because brake pads are so specific to to mm. brakes and your bikes. Um, so yeah, buy buy your brake pads in advance. Try and keep a chain. Um, obviously, quick links. Even quick links, I struggled to get recently, which I was really surprised about. Um, and then the other thing that I always recommend people to buy is a hanger. The, the derailleur, you know the derailleur hanger where you attach oh, yes. the derailleur to the frame? That is so, I mean, there are, it's now beginning to change finally. Um, there's a SRAM universal hanger that Nuke Proof are using. Um, but up till this point, it tends to be that hangers are very specific to the frame, um, even down to the model and the year and so on. But if you've got a spare hanger, then you often, you can just sort of, you, you can, and you've fallen off, you think you've damaged your derailleur. But the hanger being the sacrificial part, that will go and you can actually then just pop pop your new one on and the chances are your derailleur will be fine and, uh, and away you go. I've got, yeah, a couple of experiences of that where people's holidays have been and sort of trips have been saved by having just happening to have the right hanger for their bike so that's always a good one to have in advance i faced this exact issue not just a week ago ah. i fall on my bike thank you for your lashings of sympathy I was fine. <laughs> sorry uh, but I, yeah. 
<laughs> I uh, did bend my hanger. The derailleur was fine. Um, yeah. And I did get lucky because it turned out there was a Brand X frame that used the exact same hanger as my, my old sissy. But the distributor, no hanger. Wheels manufacturing, no hanger. Oh, so I only got lucky yeah. because it so happened to share it with a different uh, brand. So yes, hanger is a wise one to always carry with you. Mm. Absolutely. I can one-up yeah. you there, Jack. Go on. I was on a 10-day solo bike tour around Brittany, actually, in northern France. And I'd already lost my phone and my bank card. A bit of a long story. <laughs> but I I did the classic <laughs> thing when I got to one of these beautiful towns. I can't remember which one it was exactly. Maybe Brest. So I was on my way back towards Roscoff and home in Devon. And I lent my bike against a railing in front of this most beautiful cathedral. <gasps> went to take a photo. The Instagrammer's curse. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the huge gust of wind had it over properly bent the neck hanger so me and my terrible french went into the local bike shop and then of course tried to explain that this part was very specific to a very specific brand of bike and a very specific model of bike and there were none at all in france Mm. so we just had to bend it back a little bit and pray that i could do the last few hundred miles back home did you oh yeah it lasted. Brilliant. I was very, yeah. very grateful and I pedaled very, very gingerly <laughs> and avoided every <laughs> pothole. But um, yeah, and then I did exactly the same thing a few years later on the Transcambrian, didn't take a spare. <laughs> and I only got 15k in, so there you go. I think I've learned my lesson now. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Good one for no, the spares kit. Yeah, it is. I mean, because some people say, oh, you can just bend it. And you can, but you because they're sacrificial parts, you run the risk that they that you bend it and it'll snap and then you're really stuffed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yikes. Uh, yeah, no, it is. That's definitely that. Yeah, that's another one that is just really, it's just, they normally don't cost much. They're normally sort of 10, 15 pounds tops. Um, and yeah, just have, keep one with you. And then even if you take it to a bike shop and they do it for you, at least you can keep going. Absolutely. So Vicky, could you tell us about mindful mechanics? It's something that I've seen you, a term you... So, Vicky, would you mind telling us about mindful mechanic? It's a term that you use a lot, but what does it actually mean? Yeah, they are definitely. So, I, so uh, my the reason I call it mindful mechanics started because for me, I began to notice that actually, when my mind was was racing, I'm like a lot of us. My mental health goes through wobbly patches, um, but I noticed that whenever I was out in my workshop. I was really, I sort of, I just got a sense of calm, really. Um, And then once I began to explore that, I realised that actually you also, you get that calm because you're focusing completely on what you're doing, which Mm -hmm. is, which is great. I mean, it's like any form of mindfulness, you're all the other sort of thoughts in your head have disappeared. Um, But then sort of going the next stage, I realised that actually, you can't do mechanics if your head is somewhere else or you're busy or you're stressed or whatever. So not only does it, it give you that mindfulness, but also you need to be able to put yourself in a mindful place in order to do it. Um, and so from there, it, it sort of, it really just, just grew as it, it seemed like the obvious way to me to just describe teaching mechanics because it is, it's, it's about that calm and that empowerment. Um, mm. And that sense, I mean, I, I, came to bike mechanics after years as a stay-at-home mum for my disabled daughter and it was very much a, a journey for me of of freedom of rediscovering my own identity um and so for me it was that I was not going to be limited by 
anything nothing was going to stop me and so that was so that meant that I needed to understand and be able to do my own mechanics and I've just found it hugely it's it's incredibly empowering and again as I say it's it's about choice even if you choose not to do it the fact that you know you could do it if you needed to or you understand what's being done it just gives you full full sort of um ownership of of your bike really that's really, really great concept. So I guess in the concept of somebody giving their bike a proper spring clean, mm-hmm. you'd probably want to recommend setting aside a weekend morning or proper chunk of time rather than trying to squeeze it into the 15 minutes before the club run. <laughs> yes, completely. Really just see it as see it as an investment in yourself, but also in your bike. I mean, we whatever your bike has cost or however it's it's arrived in your possession – they are really, really precious things and they, they give us that freedom. They give us that chance to escape from the day to day. So the least we can do is give them back that that sort of care and that love um, and looking after it. And then the fact that you then are able to, to gain from it as well is just an added bonus. So, yeah, I completely say, yeah, just go and shut yourself away in the shed or the garage or your front room or wherever it is, but give yourself time to really enjoy what you're doing and notice notice how you how it's how it's put together and how you're how you're looking after it. And just on the kind of subject of how empowering people do find it, years and years ago I used to volunteer and then work briefly at a, um, a bike co-op in Edinburgh and one of the things I did was manage um, the fix your own bike sessions in the evening which I loved doing just because it was good fun and I got to play with you know novel bikes and and help people but you are totally right that having mechanical skills in general in life does make you feel more able to to just tackle lots of different tasks. And I've, I've written about it before, but I think a bike is a perfect place to learn those kind of skills which are applicable outside of cycling. But, you know, it, it can be quite daunting, really, if you don't fully understand um, how to, you know, work on a bike. Not, not that people should be, though. So how would you say, Vicky, what would be your top tip to kind of get over any anxieties you might have if you're a brand new mechanic and you're unsure how to get your bike ready for the spring ahead? Yeah, I think I think just start small. Um, one of my favourite sayings is that you can eat an elephant a mouthful at a time, and <laughs> mechanics is like that. Don't sorry, it's like sideways, <laughs> sideways analogy. But yeah, it, it's so true. You, you just start with one job and just take pride in doing that one job. Don't expect to go in and and be able to do everything straight away. And don't don't put that pressure on yourself. Just again, just keep it very mindful. If if cleaning and lubing your chain or replacing your brake pads or even just checking your brake pads if that's where your starting point is brilliant that's fantastic because you're doing one more thing than you were doing before so rather than just presenting your bike to the bike shop say take your bike but say well I've looked at my brake pads um I think that they're getting a bit low I mean for for me as a rule of thumb I say tend to say around one millimeter thickness would be the place to go but it, again if you don't know how thick a brake pad is in the first place go and have a look in your bike shop go and ask them can you show me a brand new set of pads please and then you've got a benchmark and it's literally just start just to, and take pride in just doing small little bits it's um 
I mean, it's the same when, so I recently did the Badger Divide, um, which was my first long distance ride. And obviously as a mechanic, I want to be able to fix everything. I mean, Catherine, you saw the other day what I travel with in the van because I'm just like, <laughs> I just want to be able to fix everything because it's very frustrating if I can't. Um, and so, but what I had to do was almost go through and make a deal with myself. What was I planning to repair when I was out and about? And at what and what what was I just going to say, fine, okay, that's a game over or I'll bodge it or whatever. And it that's the thing is just sort of give yourself realistic expectations and just start there. And then once you're comfortable there, you can then go on and learn the next thing and just build it up one step at a time. One final question from me, you know, as you, know, <laughs> you clearly enjoy working on bikes as we all do, but what is the absolute top job for you we're talking utter bliss what's what's the thing that you enjoy most lower leg service forks <laughs> <laughs> oh that satisfying pour it. of that filthy oil out the bottom oh yes, yes. <laughs> i love it absolutely love it yeah and i think from a teaching perspective teaching somebody to index gears that is my top that's my well, favorite i love doing that vicky i'll be people... your next student <laughs> yeah oh it's brilliant it, it's uh, it's when you again, when you've got the time and you, you just explain it very methodically and build up that knowledge, it all begins to fall into place mm. and it's beautiful to watch. I love it. I just take great joy in being able to change my own brake pads. Yes, um, that's good. I am a wizard, I'm wizard level at tubeless setups. You've done enough of it for because, us. Yeah. Because I've been testing a lot of gravel tyres <laughs> and I love telling Tom Marvin how excellent I am at tubeless mm. setup because he lives just around the corner from me and always Brilliant. struggles. He's got big so potatoes. So I love to gloat. absolutely useless, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to stick to my few little things and do them very well. But yeah, but it, is, it is a struggle when your other half is a mechanic, you see. Because mm. yeah. if I'm not in that zen mind state, he's just like, oh, do you want me to do it? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> all too easy <laughs> yeah I so, do love it when my, my I get phone calls from my husband when he's on a ride saying Vicky what do I do about this <laughs> open that pack on your bike it's all in there <laughs> <laughs> brilliant and you both mentioned being able to take your bike to a mechanic or to a bike mm. co-op are there other places that you could go if this isn't something that's your bread and butter that, that you're really comfortable with? Is there somewhere that you can go where people will help you learn about bike mechanics? Well, I would, of course, have to say leading multidiscipline cycling website, bikeradar.com, <laughs> which has a wealth of information on uh, bike mechanics. But there are, of course, other sources. <laughs> yes, yes, I would. Yes, I would definitely. I would second the bike radar. I would also say start familiarising yourself with the um, the Grime Time walkthroughs that we do in MBUK. They are great for just sort of getting an understanding of how things work. Um but then there are also people like me who teach mechanics. So, um, yeah, so we, I've got a YouTube channel and obviously I, I do my lessons. But there are, there's, yeah, there's a wealth of, of places online where you can learn. Um, but it's, I mean, the fantastic thing at the moment is that there are more and more bike co-ops starting um, and bike projects mm. um, and local bike shops and, and different groups teaching. So, uh, yeah, there's, this is a good time to get into mechanics. Mm. So for anyone who's really starting out in mechanics and they want to do a bit more at home, what are the really go-to tools or bits of equipment that you'd recommend investing your hard-earned cash in to start with? Yeah, that's that's such a good question. It's one I get asked quite regularly. Um, 
probably a good set of Allen keys. Um, so they're, they're sometimes called hex keys, but a good set of Allen keys definitely is a good place to start. Obviously a chain checker, as we've already said, <laughs> um, <laughs> and grease or carbon paste. But I think if you were looking at the the first sort of bigger, I mean, sort of sub one, sub 100 pounds, but the, sort of the first bigger investment, I think personally a, a bike stand, a work stand is the place to spend your money because having the bike secure out the way, it just means that you can work on it with both hands. You're not worried about it falling down or it doesn't move um, move around. That, for me, is, is the first place to really start investing. Um, beyond that, you can use, your, you can use your, your multi-tool that you keep on the bike and so on that you use with you when you're out riding. You don't have to go for, for sort of big sets of, of tools straight away. And then a bit like the jobs themselves, just build up a tool at a time and uh, yeah build it that way but i think personally yeah work stand absolutely important thing to have well thank you so much for joining us vicky and offering your wisdom i've got a long checklist of things to go and uh, to, <laughs> to note down ready for this spring that's for sure um i think i might have to save that though for when i'm feeling really zen and i have a massive cup of tea mm-hmm. and maybe some some really good music <laughs> on in the workshop as well just to help keep things calm <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. No, cup of tea is good. But no, thank you very much for having me. I've absolutely loved it and I hope that people find it useful. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. Do make sure before you go, if you haven't already, to give us a subscribe and a five-star review would be very much appreciated. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.